Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Ryan and I are here to talk about Kirk Chain's cousin. Whether there's a true culture shift here in Minnesota, uh, Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter maybe being one of the best pass-rushing duos in the NFL, and a Caleb Evans in his strong debut filling in for Cam Dancer on Sunday. So grab your Lake Monster beer and enjoy the show. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour, fresh off another comeback victory by quarterback one, Kirk Cousins. I'm not even going to say the Vikings, though it probably should be stated that it's the whole team. But Kirk Cousins, man, let's just get right into it. Uh, actually, before we get into it, shout out to both of our sponsors. First one being That's Badass Wood Art. If you're here uh, and you need gift ideas for this winter, head on over to that'sbadasswoodart.com. You can use our promo code CTPocket. I always mess that up. I want to say CTP Pocket, but it's CT Pocket for 20% off any one item. And additionally, you can head on over to Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota for some fantastic beer into the winter months. So uh, shout out to both of those sponsors. Um, so yeah, let's talk about Kirk Cousins right off the bat. There's something different about him this year. Um, and we'll get to the culture aspect a little bit, but man, he delivered some key throws again on Sunday to help us win the game. What are your thoughts, Ryan, on Kirk Cousins in this this new person that we see out there shirtless, by Kirko. the way, Kirko. Kirko. Yeah. Um, no, and it, it's great to see that he's playing with some confidence right now. Um, <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's uh, it, it's a new Kirk cousins per se. I think he's still the same old Kirk, but um, the team in themselves are the ones that are building this persona um, of Kirko and, and the chains and Kirk chains and all that. Um, which honestly, if you guys haven't been on Twitter, you got to get on Twitter for the memes uh, just alone, just the, amount of different uh pictures that are going up with kirk in the in the cole shirt uh and then kirk with the no shirt and chains and then like what people will say about it it's just it's so hilarious um but anyway yeah i'm not sure we're seeing a new kirk cousins per se we're just seeing a team that is learning how to finish um kirk is still playing the same old kirk game right i mean he's being calculated in his moves i mean actually i was actually a lot of people were really upset about that that interception at the end of the half i wasn't you know he, he took a shot one-on-one with his best uh player uh and and yeah. you know kind of a fluky deal where it bounced up and landed in the other defender's uh hands um but you know overall that was a calculated move that i think you're giving your guy a 50 50 chance to win and usually let's stay on um, that for a second 
Yeah. Let's let's stay on that part for a second because in the past we've knocked Kirk Cousins a little bit um for not trusting his receivers and yeah. in not giving his his playmakers, I mean whether it was Diggs, Thielen and now Jefferson, not giving his playmakers true opportunities to make a play on the ball in we've seen it consecutive weeks now. Are you afraid? that because of that interception that he might try and scale back? Or do you think that he's really kind of shifted mentally to being able to trust his receivers more? You know, I, I think he has. I mean, and he's not going to just – he's not going to put the ball in harm's way per se. He didn't in that play. It was a fluke mm-hmm. that it happened to bounce out. I mean, the defender made a play. Well, actually, J.J. kind of missed a catch. I mean, it, I think it hit his chest and bounced off. Um and but the defender made a play, made him not being able to catch it, and um, and and their defender happened to just bounce the right way where they were able to get to it. Um, so yeah. it's a calculated move. I don't think that was him being stupidly aggressive. That wasn't him. I mean, uh, who was Heineke was being stupid aggressive on that touchdown to Samuel. That was triple coverage. He threw it up there. Would have been intercepted without the uh, without the the ref getting in the way there. Um, yeah. so, so that's, that's stupid aggressive Kirk's being calculated. I don't think that that result is going to change his mindset at all. Um, he's going to take those shots when he sees that one-on-one with your best player and your best 50, 50 baller. Um, yeah, so I, I was happy to see that. So going back to the original question, I don't think we have a new Kirk cousins. I just think that we have a Kirk cousins that's creating, uh, that is putting his team in positions to win. The team itself, not just Kirk, but everyone is learning how to win together, Uh, whether it's defense getting the uh, key interception, whether it's uh, Greg Joseph kicking the game winning field goal that we uh, that we missed last year in Arizona. Uh, You know, we're, we're finding ways to win. And then it just so happens that because we're winning and because we have a fun culture of you know O'Connell allowing everyone to be themselves and be fun and have fun and very passionate post-game speeches and very lively interactions between the players that you're seeing a more fun side of Kirk because he's getting taken out of his comfort zone to have a little Mm -hmm. fun because this is the first time in his whole career that he's like legitimately winning back to back to back like he just hasn't done this really so you're seeing uh, a team that believes in him and they're showing him love by making him do goofy stuff like put on chains do do we dare call him clutch are you are you ready to call Kirk Cousins clutch I mean we haven't really done it in a big game yet so no he said he says no way um, when when, when stakes are on the line, he has to do it when the stakes are on the line. He has done it. He he did it against New Orleans back in 2019, yeah. was it? Um, so, I mean, he, he's shown up in big games. Uh, and, again, there's been a narrative about Kirk that he can't play well in big games, and rightfully so because traditionally we haven't won those primetime games with him, either us or Washington. Um, but, again, it's a team game. Um, I, I probably was too hard on him in the past. Because, you know, you can always put your team in a better position where it doesn't have to be a one-score game at the end. And he's still putting us in those positions. So my criticism last year is still the same criticism really this year. We're not blowing teams out or we're not overpowering on offense. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're winning. So the mindset's just different. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, to the people who are here in the chat. Uh, Appreciate the comments. Keep them coming. We'll try to address them as the show goes on. And speaking speaking of which, we have a a comment here 
uh, from Aaron asking if we feel confident with him under pressure. You talked about him needing to put up in big pressure moments. Do you feel confident with what you've seen this year for him to do something like that? Well, when you say pressure, are we talking like the the like mythical pressure that comes from you know a big game, or are we talking legitimate pressure like defenders coming in at you? Yeah, I mean both, right? Let's let, let's let's scenario for both. Well, if we look if we look at statistics, um, he's one of the worst in the league against pressure. Um, yeah. and, and I, I don't know the specific numbers. I was listening to a podcast, a different podcast the other day that was telling the specific numbers around that. I think it was score North was talking about yeah. it. Um, and so, yes, he, 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 unfortunately he is one of the worst against pressure, but I, um, that was prior to last week's game and he mm-hmm. was getting rocked this last game and he, you know, for three quarters or about two and a half quarters, he wasn't uh, putting up good numbers. But in, when it counted, when the you know when the stakes were on the line, he was. You know, I mean that that big pass to JJ is one that comes to mind where he stood in the pocket, threw that ball, got absolutely lit up. You could tell. It, uh, I think he said his wind got knocked out of him, <laughs> um, and uh, and he stood there and made the play. So. You know, again, when it matters, it seems like he is figuring out a way. I don't know what it is. And and was he doing this last year? I think he was. And whether it was a missed kick or whether it was a defense failing us, um, he was putting us in positions to win, and we're just figuring out a way to do that this year. Fair enough. So you have something big right now. Right now. I mean, but again, yeah. we're, not, we're not against the elite teams yet. Uh, this week, if Josh Allen plays, and the Cowboys will be the big litmus test for us. Well, see, I, I disagree with that. I, I still think regardless of who plays at quarterback this weekend, it's a good test for our team. It's um, a good test for our uh, offense versus a really good defense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and we have seen that before, right, um, throughout yeah. this season. I think the Saints, the Eagles. Um, I think even Washington last week is is a, is a pretty good defense. So, I yeah. The, my only comment, I guess, on Kirk is we've asked him year in and year out since he's been here to improve on things. And I've made tweets about this in the past, but we've asked him year in and year out to improve on certain things. He used to be really bad at fumbling uh, in the pocket, just being completely oblivious to pressure. He's improved on that. We've We used to talk to him about, hey, maybe you could work on extending plays or improvising a little bit more well this year i mean shit you look at his pocket awareness i mean he is just sliding out of pressure and delivering really great throws and although his stats aren't what we've seen from the previous you know years he's been here i feel like they're almost more efficient in how he's you know he's he's moving the ball down the field which is way more important i don't need a fantasy quarterback i need a franchise quarterback and i think that's kind of what we're that's kind of what we're getting here this year. Um, yeah, I mean, and that was, uh, I think, uh, one of the one of the uh, people on 
the broadcast was saying that the other day. I don't know if it was our game or a different game, but it was I'd rather have good stats and and, and win than have great stats to lose. <laughs> so mm-hmm. whatever, like even even this game, I mean, I, I know the coach is calling the plays, but they easily could have went in and tried to score and and then give them an opportunity to still come back and, and win. But they played the smart situational football of you know let's run it up the middle and not get in and just kind of fall down and and put ourselves in a position to drain the clock and and uh, kick a field goal. Yeah, well, you you slightly talked about the culture, and, and I, it's something I think that needs to be talked about. Um, this team, and I'll first preface this on, I, I saw something out on Twitter where they were comparing locker room speeches from Mike Zimmer and locker room speeches, you know, post-game from Kevin O'Connell. They had them side by side. I'm not here for that. I'm not here to bash, bash the previous regime. Um, especially since that was at the end, give me something from 20, you know, early Zimmer years when that team was fired up and ready to fight for him. And And somebody did do that. I do remember seeing that somebody did bring out, um, a speech from, I think our 13th or 12th win of that 2017 season. Um, and it was just night and day difference still. I mean, but again, like (laughs) you, you can't. It's hard to compare those things, right? Because you're, you're talking about a different person, a different personality. Doesn't mean that different Mike Zimmer wasn't an effective coach. Yeah, exactly. Like Mike Zimmer wasn't a bad coach because he wasn't a rah-rah, you know, let's let's you know just be happy, go lucky, and positive all the time. He, you know, he made it a very effective football team for many years. Obviously, his last few years were. Um, you know, unfortunate, right? But mm-hmm. you know, he was a very good coach over those first what five years or whatever it was um, of his tenure. And I don't think we need to bash him. I don't think anyone is trying to. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, with with those posting of the videos, I think they're more just trying to show the difference in terms of the culture. But like, you go look at, um, I think it was the 2017 game uh, that that, or no, 2019, um, the 2019 season playoff win that locker room was just as rowdy as it was, you know, uh, in all of these post-game speeches we're seeing as it is. So yeah. um, I, I'm not I'm not here, to your point, I'm not here to bash the previous regime or Mike Zimmer. Um, yeah. I, I think that it's just different, and different can be great, and different can be, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that what it was in the past was bad, per se. Yeah, I think, I think we can enjoy where this team is at, and in the camaraderie that they they all seem to have, uh, without putting down other people, and that's just me on my soapbox there. But that's just because I'm a Zim defender. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the culture has clearly shifted, right? And we've seen it since. I'm, I'm actually working on an article for Daily Norseman about this, but we've seen it since the second Kevin O'Connell walked in here in his introductory press conference. He said, "These guys yeah, are going to know." Before that. And yeah. Honestly, before that, now I'll let you finish your thought. But when no, Quasi walked into the building, yeah, when Quasi walked in the building, you can tell the culture was different. I mean, even just the way he was approaching things just seemed different. But go on with what you were going to say about O'Connell. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So to your point, yeah, Quasi, even the Wilfs, right? We we kind of called out their BS, right? These are just buzzwords, right? Collaboration and all the other you know stuff that went along with it, but. Kevin O'Connell, I remember in his, his introductory press conference, one of the things he said is, A, I'm going to be as consistent as I can be every single day for these players. Um, and I'm just going to get to know them and, you know, 
really care for them and, and, and just be transparent with them. And I think the players latched onto that, right? And you're seeing it week in and week out. I don't know if you guys follow Eric Kendrick's um, fiance, I guess not wife on Instagram, but you know, she, she tweeted or posted a picture of uh, Kendrick's texting her after like the flight, right. And be like, these, these, these rides homes are so much more fun than they were in the past. Now, obviously they were losing, right. So that also plays into it in previous years, but man, I don't know. There's, it's time. It's time to. I mean, Kevin O'Connell could be this coach for a really long time if things continue to to progress this way. But I do what, want to pose really, a question to you. What I was going to say real quick, and you can pose it um, after that. But is what you can tell about O'Connell. He's very um, deliberate in the words that he uses to. Mm-hmm to get his message across. He's not just saying things to say it. And a lot of it might be buzzy or whatever, but you're listening to what he's saying. And there's this like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's just this genuine nature to how he delivers his, his, how he communicates his message that I think it's very easy to buy in. And I think that the players are really, it's really resonating with the players very well to the point where now they are, um, you can tell that everyone's there for the same purpose. Like, again, I, not to bash the old regime because that's not what I'm trying to do, but you could tell that there was a little bit of like ghosts last year, right? Zimmer, you know, playing for his job, Spielman playing for his job in a sense, right? And yeah. and then there was just a lot of eggshell walking happening. And this year you can really tell that everyone's in for the same reason. Everyone's in for each other. And Mm -hmm. you can just really tell that that's a big difference this year. Yeah. Yep. For sure. The question I was going to ask you though, and I feel like Kevin O'Connell is almost like throwing in subtle comments here or there um, in his press conference, just alluding to the fact that like, this isn't like normal in the NFL. Like you're going to have a little bit more losses. I think what, how do you think this team is going to handle a potential loss? Do you think that they, I mean, Adversity is real. Do you think we, they we rebound well? A loss. We handled a loss that we got our asses whooped too. Like I mean, that yeah. wasn't like you know we're coming off the high of beating a uh, NFC North opponent that has typically had our. I mean, I know we've kind of things split are over different the years, now though. No, I I agree. But what I'm saying is that like you you go into that game, you win big, a very emotional win, a, a KOC's first win, dominated the Packers, huge division win, and then you go and just get stomped by the Eagles, right? And I, I, stomped is probably not the right word. On the scoreboard, they stomped us, but honestly, I think that game was a little closer than the the, the final score will tell you it was. Um, I'd agree. Yeah. But it, but and then and then you see them literally turn around and just put together this big win streak of stacking wins. And it's not like we're blowing teams out. That would be the main difference. I think is if we were blowing teams out, I think that it would be much harder to take the next loss because it's like, Hey, we dominate everyone. We play, we are battling for our lives in each one of these games. And I I think it's just Mm -hmm. showing that they can handle the adversity. They can handle the, um, and you know, eventually one of these balls are not going to go our way. We're not going to, I think somebody just posted in the comments here. We're not going to get that all important interception or fumble recovery. And we, which won't, (laughs) or penalty or whatever it is. And we, and then we are going to lose a game. Um, But I think that they're grounded enough as a team to understand that, um, 
it's a battle every week. Every win is very hard to get to. And that means that every loss is just like just a step away, right? An inch away, you know, game of inches type mentality. Um, I think KOC is doing a good job of kind of preaching that message. Yeah. Um, you know, what's not an easy way to segue into the next one. So we're just going to jump into it anyway. Um, I want to talk about Zadarius Smith again, who had a phenomenal performance with nine total pressures last week. A lot of QB hits, a lot of hurries, batted ball, um, but also Daniil Hunter, who finally was able to secure some sacks for himself this week. Uh, seven total pressures and two sacks. And this might be one of the best pass rushing duos in the NFL as it stands today. I went through and I pulled a, a bunch of uh, statistics from Pro Football Focus this week. And Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter are first in pressures as a duo with 79, and they rank second in sacks with 13. Wow. Is this team starting to gel now? Like, are these two finally, like, I was worried a little bit early in the season, right, with Daniil Hunter, but looks like maybe he was getting more attention and, and, and Smith is getting a feast. And now it's just like he's kind of hitting his stride too once he's started to get familiar with the 3-4 defense. And, yeah, any comments on the uh, the, the pass-rushing duo? Yeah, it, I mean, we knew that in – I said this preseason, I'm sure it's on one of our shows. Our defense was going to live and die by these two in terms of we have young corners or a very aging corner in one of them, right? Who's also um, playing relatively well, right? Um, And we knew that they probably wouldn't be able to hold up against the, the, you know, the track of all of these wide receivers that we have to go against each and every week. Right. Um, it's, it's a tough task. And the only way to really mitigate that risk of that is either have really good corners, which again, our corners are playing relatively well, actually, I think um, I'm not, I didn't look at statistics or anything like that, but, um, but it's going to be that pass rush. And do they have enough time to get open? Um, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, obviously through a couple of those weeks, it was a little slim pickings because they were both kind of, I think, kind of hitting their stride after both of them being out for the better part of the last two years. Um, yeah. And Hunter has been playing really well for a lot of the year, actually. I know the stats weren't coming in, but he's commanding double teams. At one point yeah. in, in one of the games, I can't remember which one, I think the Dolphins maybe, or um, he, he was handling a triple team. Right. Like you're you're putting a lot of attention on him, which is why I think Zedaria Smith was getting a lot of really, really good stats. And then yeah. not, and, and then Dalvin Thomason was playing well. And Harrison Phillips was, you know, kind of, you know, being there and making a difference. And DJ Wanham was making a difference. And Patrick Jones, I mean, we had a lot of these guys who were stepping up. And I think a part of that was because Hunter was commanding a lot of attention. And and as everyone else is playing well, you can't give him just that attention all the time. You have to mix it up and he's able to take advantage of that. Um, mm-hmm. what's, what was really interesting this week, uh, I read on, on Twitter, it was Mitch Schwartz, who's former all pro right tackle, uh, for the yeah. chiefs. Um, he put out a tweet that basically in, in essence, I not verbatim here, but, um, it said Daniel Hunter was one of the most interesting tapes to watch and one of the more difficult people 
to game plan against in the NFL because his moves were so different than any other player that he had to ski, uh, game plan against. Um, just his motions and that kind of weird hesitation rip move that he does and, and all of that, you never know what's coming from him. And it made it really yep. difficult to game plan against him. And he's still doing that. I mean, obviously he said that because somebody put out a, a tweet around, you know, one of the sacks he had this last game. Um, so, you know, it's fun seeing these two go. I think they feed off each other's energy too. Like, you you yeah. know, um, they're, they're kind of the new um, Daniil Everson, right? Everson brought the energy. Zadarius is bringing the energy. And it's, yep. again, it's a really fun duo to kind of see finally hit their stride right in the, the home stretch of the season right now. Yeah, and when we, you talked about the defense just as a whole for a second, so we can touch on that. But I do think that there are a lot of players that are starting to kind of, you know, catch their groove when we talk about the shift from Zimmer's defense into the three four. Um, Eric Kendricks is another one of those guys that really these past two three. Well, I guess three weeks ago was the buy, but these past couple weeks. He's really starting to understand what his role is in this defense. Um, he's firing to the ball like I haven't seen in a, in a few years. Um, and I, I think he's kind of taking a back seat from the tackling standpoint and kind of handing that off to Jordan Hicks. I don't know enough about how roles in a 3-4 defense play out, but maybe Hicks is you know, that guy, whereas Kendricks used to be that in the 4-3. But um, yeah, Kendricks is, is playing well. Harrison Smith's got three picks in in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is just insane, insane stuff. Uh, But speaking of another player on the defensive side of the ball that had a great game on, on Sunday. And I, and I'm pretty sure uh, if we went back and looked at receipts here, you were a a pretty big fan of this pick from, from the, in the NFL draft, but I'm talking about a Caleb Evans, who stepped in and played, you know, 40 plus snaps filling in for Cam Dantzler um, and played just about as well as you could ask uh, from yeah. a, a rookie corner. Uh, he was targeted three times, allowed one reception for negative two yards in a key pass breakup on fourth and one against Terry McLaurin. Uh, a couple tackles for losses. He was, you know, he was key in the run game. Um, he was a willing tackler. Now, when you do go look at the tape, I will say, if you're playing against a better quarterback, he might get exploited a little bit more. I saw a few different ones where I, he he wasn't quite sure what his assignment truly was, uh, where they did the little flea flicker and they had the tight end, you know, running up the sideline. He kind of shifted over with Bynum and, and Shannon Sullivan. And you know what? If You can make those mistakes when you're playing against a guy like Taylor Heineke. So do it there instead of in a bigger game. But otherwise, I mean, about as well as you could ask, did you, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here, but did you watch Evans in college at all? And if so, like what, what were your takeaways then? And what were your thoughts about his performance on Sunday? Yeah. Um, I didn't watch like a ton of a Caleb Evans in game uh, on, at a college level. Now when doing my, couch potato you know couch scout uh, analysis of you know players obviously i i don't i i'm not as extensive as a lot of these guys so please never take my word for it um <laughs> over like a guy like thor nystrom or even tyler uh Fornis, who's on climbing the pocket here but 
Um, you know, they, they do a lot more work than I do on that, but, um, I, I look at position groups that are of need, right. And one of those this year was corner. So I, I dove deep into the corner and try to watch probably, you know, five rounds worth of corners. And a Caleb Evans was somebody that stood out to me. Um, he, he was somebody that I, I think he was new to Missouri's system last year or the year before. Um, so he's kind of getting his footing. Um, and, and, you know, I think year one in that system was okay, but he played really well last year in, in that system. And, um, now granted, I, I have thought maybe a you know, third rounder, fourth rounder, which is where he ended up falling. Um, and I was really surprised with how well he's playing thus far, like to the point where like in the preseason, he was playing really well, but you're, you're like, okay, you're going up against twos. You should play well, right? Twos and threes, you should play well. Um, but, and then in the spot opportunities he's had, uh, both, uh, I forget which game that was, but Cam Dancer went out for a few plays um, and he held his own uh, in, in that game. And then, and then this week where he got, we got an extended look and they were, they kind of went after him a little bit. Right. And he short tackler, he I mean, again, it wasn't a perfect game, but it was about as perfect of a game as you can ask from a fourth round rookie. Um, yeah. Yes. I, w- I was very happy when we drafted him. It was definitely a player that I was, um, that I had kind of circled as somebody that I'd want us to, to go after. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it's fun to kind of see, um, the, what I saw on his, on the, on the tape, so to speak, uh, come through, uh, on the field there on Sunday. Well, when you think about like a corner, a rookie corner coming into the NFL, it's hard enough to play the cornerback position. And so, and, and you have to have extreme confidence in your ability to play that position too, because you get beat a lot. It's just the nature of the NFL. It's a passing league, but I think when you look at Sunday's game for a Caleb Evans, he he did a lot of like things fundamentally fundamentally right as well. And I think that when you can put together solid plays like that as a rookie, not really get burned, so to speak, or not have like glaring mistakes, that's just such a confidence builder moving forward. And we know that that position, like I said, is based on confidence. And if you come off, I mean, you're coming off a game like this last week. I, I'm excited for what what he'll do in the future. Now, this wasn't in the show notes, but we're kind of speeding through this show, so we'll talk about it. Uh, he's going to have his hands full this weekend because uh, Cam Dantzler is not going to be playing. So that means you're going to be relying on Caleb Evans, Patrick Peterson, uh Andrew Booth did it. I feel like I haven't heard Andrew Booth's name. Is he playing this week? Is he back? He's, he's yeah, back. he's been back. He just hasn't been getting reps. I mean, partially due to the injury, but also like again, Evans has played well. And yeah. when you know, I'm glad that they're not going off draft pedigree right now. I'm a Booth guy. I, you know me. I was I was comfortable taking Booth at at twelve. So. Um, or was it 12 or 14? I forget, but, um, FM 14, um, I was comfortable taking him there though. Right. Um, yeah. so I'm a big booth guy, but Hey, you play the better player. You play the guy who's playing with more confidence right now. Um, I don't think booth lacks confidence by any means, if you know him as a player. Uh, but again, he, he went through that injury. I think he's still kind of working his way through that and, and learning the playbook. Cause he did miss a lot of time between preseason and, uh, the regular season this year. But he's going to – okay, so when we talk about the – He's going to get thrown in the fire this week for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and against a very good wide receiver group, when you think about McKenzie, Gabe Davis, uh, Stefan Diggs, obviously, and, Did? you know, Dawson. <laughs> he, he good. Oh, and then, I mean, Dawson Knox is, is, is still a capable tight end as well. Um, and they'll be trusting. I, I'll be curious to see how they play these running backs too, because when you think about James Cook, Singletary, Naheem Hines, who they just traded for not too long ago, a good receiving back. Um, these corners and linebackers are going to have their hands full this weekend. Uh, we talked about it, and I'll give a shout out here to uh, the Love Boat Pod from Zone Coverage Minnesota. I guessed on that pod last night, and we talked about the upcoming game uh, on Sunday and whether or not Josh Allen plays. And I think it's a good question here to to kind of fill some time, like I said, because we we kind of sped through it. But um, what are your thoughts on Sunday? Do you, do you care about the narrative a- around the Vikings if they win against the Josh Allenless? Buffalo Bills, or or are you just more concerned about racking up wins at this point? This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, nobody, nobody ever talks about anybody else, I feel like. And maybe it's just we're hyper aware. Um, nobody ever talks about anyone else's schedule. And I mean, I guess that the Eagles are getting that a little bit right now. But, like... Guys, we, we don't make the schedule. We don't make up the injuries. We don't we have no control any of any of that. All we mm-hmm. can control is who's in front of us at the game and how can we put our best foot forward to win win that game. I don't care if it's a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, hey, we went into Patrick Mahomes building a couple years ago and it was Matt Moore, right? I think it's Matt Moore or um, yep. that we had to play against and we lost, right? So it's not like this game's gonna be an easy game to just go in and win. The Bills are a very capable team, like you said, one of the best rosters in the league. Now, I did look at that injury report today, and it is littered with injuries uh, at key positions. Um, I don't think Tredavious White is ready quite yet. Tremaine Edmonds, their stud linebacker, did not practice today. Uh, One of their stud young edge guys, Greg Russo, did not practice today. Um, Obviously, Josh Allen did not practice today. I mean, so they're littered with some injuries right now. But again, mm-hmm. we don't control that. All we can control is who, what we can control, which is play effective on offense, play staunch defense, continue to play excellent special teams, and uh, and and create a win for ourselves one way or another. Yes, yes. 
Um, I was just gonna. I was just sorry about the the extremely white screen right now. I was just looking up um, some of the storylines uh, heading into to this game this week, and I want you to pick your favorite. Um, okay. We got Leslie Frazier versus Minnesota, who, by the way, is maybe one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL today. So good for him. Um, obviously, Diggs his first game versus Minnesota. You got the Case Keenum Diggs connection as well. Um, Dalvin Cook and his brother facing each other. What uh, we heard Dalvin Cook talk a little bit about that today. Um, and then obviously, I probably the biggest one in my opinion um, is just the Jefferson Diggs debate, which these two will always be attached to each other because of the trade that sent Diggs to the Bills and allowed the Vikings to pick Justin Jefferson. But uh, what is your, what is your favorite storyline heading into to this weekend? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's going to be some sort of combination of the former, the former team uh, players on our team. And now that's on their team. Um, Leslie Frazier was so long ago. I mean, that was 10 years ago. Right. Um, So even though it's interesting and, and kudos to him, I mean, I couldn't be, there's, I don't think I'd want a, uh, a different coach to succeed more than Leslie Frazier after his tenure here. I, I, I adored him kind of like how you adored Zim. I'm not saying that he mm-hmm. should have kept his job or anything. I mean, it was a tough go. Um, but, but I, I really liked him as a coach. I like the kind of more methodical, calm presence that he brought to that position. Um, yeah. especially after Brad Childress. I mean, that just was, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, I think the more intriguing thing is the Keenum Diggs connection now on the other side of the uh, of the the field here, um, and and what that potentially could bring, considering that there's a good chance uh, that Josh Allen doesn't play this week. So um, I think that should be interesting. And and I, you know, again, I, I'm kind of sick of the Justin Jefferson and uh, Stephon Diggs like comparison let them be great i love Diggs. i still love Diggs. he's one of my favorite yeah. players in the league because he is just a very he's he works hard he's great at his craft and he lets his work you know i mean he does talk a lot of trash but he let he lets his play do the talking right um and yes. Ju- justin jefferson's the same right like uh there's no loser in this situation there's no reason which is rare to be very rare very for rare. an nfl team yeah and there's no reason for um, for for anyone to have ill will towards either of these guys in in that situation, right? Um, so I, I think it's a played out storyline, but it, I'm excited to just see how Diggs plays, um, and I'm excited to see how um, how Justin Jefferson plays because they have a yep. good defense. So this will be a good test for our for our um, for our offense to be able to produce well. Um, yeah. And again, I know they're missing a lot of guys. Another guy I forgot to mention that's integral. They're missing both Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde right now. Poyer's did not practice this week and hides out for the year. Um, so when you factor those two things in as well, I mean, they're missing three of their top four defensive backs. Um, if you yeah. include your Davis white. So it's just, um, yeah. And, and Mary, you kind of alluded to it right there. Diggs and Diggs and JJ, they have nothing but respect for each other. So it's just a complete media narrative that comes out of that. That is what's like, who cares? like what's let new, them, right? Yeah, right? Exactly. Let, let them respect each other. Let them, you know, chat like, um, 
compete and, and make each other better because that's all we want to see anyway is like if iron sharpens iron, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I brought up the storylines, I I looked to the to the bottom of the screen and I, I see Dave drop his head and shake it. And then he, he shot us a message in the chat saying that we missed the biggest storyline of them all. What is it, Dave? What is the biggest storyline that we're missing? I think I know it. Um, this may foreshadow and be a prelude to oh, a I Super know. Bowl yeah. contest. It is the first one of the season where the networks can say, are we looking at two Super Bowl-bound teams? Did you just yeah. jinx us, Dave? I thought I thought you were going to bring up the fact that we're both zero and four in the Super Bowl, and we might face each other. Uh, the, both fan bases <laughs> empathize with each other because we're both that way. There's no real animosity between Minnesota fans and Buffalo fans. We've both been through the same grief and misfortune throughout our yeah. history, right? There's no and and if both of us make the Super Bowl, yes, one of us is going to be rejoicing, and the other group will be rejoicing for their, you know, the other team, but they'll also be consoling the one that loses because they all, we all know what it, we go through. We are the two Only most one can go five. <laughs> in NFL history. And it'll be us, man. But it's, uh, um, this could be a Super Bowl preview that we watch Sunday, especially if Josh Allen plays. So, um, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. That to yeah. me is the biggest story possible storyline of them all. Yes, you've got all the inner tying stuff, the digs trade, who we got out of that, Justin Jefferson, all that stuff all ties in. It's all nice. It's sugar on top. But the biggie is are we looking at the two teams that'll meet in February? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and a, it, definitely definitely a preview potentially. Very well could be. Um, that's well, hey, one other wrong. player that we forgot to talk about, Matt. Um, Go that, for it. Again, I, I know that we don't have, you know, we're kind of running out of time now, but uh, another player that we forgot to talk about is TJ Hawkinson. You know, brand and new. just his Minnesota performance Viking. last week. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, the first opportunity is what? Five days to prepare, learn the playbook. David Blau shouts to you for helping him get ready and, um, I know a lot of credit went his way uh, from, you know, internally here. Um, and and the guy came in, first big play of the game, third and long, and he goes and, ex- uh, you know, delivers in on a big catch after, and he gets yep. knocked too, uh, gets hit pretty hard by that safety and makes the big play to kind of keep that first drive going. And he made, what, I think nine out of nine targets, nine catches yeah. on nine targets for – you know, whatever many yards it was, it was you know not quite a hundred. Seventy, right? It was up 70, 70 yards. Some. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's right up there, but like a lot of them clutch catches, a lot of them big play moments, third downs, or you know, uh, get us in a really good position uh, on you know the next play. So um, shout out to him for learning that playbook, coming in, delivering you know very strongly, and yeah. um, and and just really, I think it's going to be a great great addition to this team. I think it's a missing piece that I'm not saying it was the missing piece, but a missing piece that we needed on this offense that clearly was missing that I don't even think some of us, I mean, I, I know we all said we needed this, but like, I don't think we need realize how 
badly we needed this until you actually saw it in action. We talked about it last week, obviously, after the trade went down, uh, how big of a move this was, because we have we have not been shy about the fact that you need you need an, somebody opposite Justin Jefferson to take some attention away from him. And obviously there was also a report, by the way, that the, the Vikings were, you know, in on Brandon Cooks, right, until they came back with a, with a high asking price. So that would have been um, uh, a potential wide receiver. But we, we already saw what we talked about last week in the show on Sunday. And it's, it's TJ Hawkinson's ability to be a true threat in the passing game. Um, we saw receiver or, or defensive backs sort of drift towards him, knowing that they had to account for him. Um, and I think this is perfect because it allows Adam Thielen still as well to kind of get open and do his thing as a, as a veteran who's maybe a little bit slower, but still, you know, technically savvy. Um, but the, the biggest, you know, point I wanted to make about TJ Hawkinson and, and there's been, you've seen the plays on it. I think Kevin O'Connell talked about it in his weekly, you know, film breakdown, but there was that play to Dalvin cook in the end zone where Kirk, you know, kind of gave it to, to cook on a, a, I don't know if it was a wheel route, whatever. And he made that nice touchdown catch, but Jefferson took three defenders with him and TJ Hawkinson took two. If you're going to take five of your defensive players to cover two of ours, I mean, shit, good luck. I mean, every I'll take that all day, and that's that's the threat that TJ Hawkinson brings, right? Because if TJ Hawkinson's not there, that safety drifts over and probably helps cover up Irv, and then it, it, it just probably doesn't work, or not Irv, Cook. I mean, it just probably doesn't work in the same way. Um, and so, right. yes, I I – We've already started to see TJ Hawkinson uh, and what he can bring to this offense, and I'm just excited to continue to see it because I think, I mean, man, save this, save this right here. He could go down as the best tight end in Minnesota history. Well, he's got a few years to do that, but well, yeah, but still, yeah. If you keep Steve him Jordan, in this. For you. Oh, he's good. <laughs> Hawkinson has the potential to be really, really good. Top tier. Especially in he's this He's top offense. of the second tier right now. But he has the potential to move into that first tier of just elite tight ends with Kirk yes. Cousins absolutely loving to throw to tight ends and the way he can work across the intermediate. When we Then we can now not only send Jefferson deep, we can send Adam Thiep or KJ deep and have the other one come underneath him in the middle. There is no way if you go three on one on JJ and two on TJ, you're committing suicide defensively. Because and wait till they draft a a rookie wide receiver. Then what are you going to do? Let's go. (laughs) Oh man! Well, that's all I have for for tonight's show. I want to, I want to shout out that that's badass. What art real quick. I was actually just looking at their, their website. I mean, it's not just Vikings. I mean, they got, they got Wu Tang on here. They got Biggie wearing Biggie um, Smalls (laughs) wearing a Coogee sweater, Sopranos, the office, 
Tiger Woods, uh, the, you know, Mandalorian. I mean, they got everything. You could probably music. do Kirk Chains, Kirk. They probably will do a Kirk Chains. <laughs> My favorite one on here, outside of all the biking ones, is they got they got Stanley from the Office dribbling a basketball with his arm up. I mean, you don't get better than that. Uh, you got to check out that website. You got to go check out Lake Monster. Fantastic beer all the time. Um, yes. I, I can't wait to get back up there. I think we're getting together soon uh, and heading over there, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, we need to. We also need to book our next live show at Lake Monster here soon. Um, we'll answer the question that TYA Quick had here. Yeah. Do the Vikings get more respect if they beat the Bills without Allen, or do they get the unproven label by the national media jabronis? We kind of touched on this earlier. What'd you say, Ryan? We'll get the unproven label because we yeah. beat a team without Josh Allen. I, I honestly, it would be fun to watch Josh Allen play and and see how we can compare against him. But at the same time, we can't control it. We can't control yeah. if his elbow is going to be healthy or not. Um, I don't think that they should risk playing him and risk further injury and risk their season um, in, in that I situation agree. just for another win. Um, and, and that's if they can win against us uh, with him hurt. Um, I, I just think that, you know, again, we control what we can control and we don't control injuries. So hopefully uh, hopefully he plays so we can kind of see what we got. But uh, if he doesn't, let's go, you know, let's go solidify that win. And then the next litmus test will be the Cowboys. Take the wins when you can get them. I don't give a shit about any narrative that they want to throw about our team. We're going to be about potentially 8-1. Okay, you know, you know who loves us, by the way, is Robert Griffin the Third. He is just—I keep telling him, sh- sh- uh, shut the hell up. We don't need—we don't need all this attention. Stop cr- trying to create attention <laughs> for us. So just let us keep racking up these wins and being a quiet, you know. And people are trying to like shit on our schedule. You take a look at actually who we've beaten. Like, there's a lot of like. I'm not saying they're great teams because there's obviously not a lot of great football happening. But like, the Bears are definitely better than anyone ever thought they were going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Packers are probably worse. So that, that looks less great, but like beat, and I know we beat Miami without Tua, but you know, still, that's a, still a good football team. You know, we, hey, you know, we're, we're creating wins and we're, and we're, and we're winning against, you know, relatively high quality teams. Um, and, and like, again, our strength of schedule is harder than like the Eagles, but nobody's really talking shit on the Eagles, at least as much as, uh, they're talking on us. So, um, Let's just control what we can control and enjoy these wins while we got them. Absolutely. They're hard Absolutely. enough to get. So, Yes. Well, we are, uh, we're at the prediction segment, and we will, we'll start with the guests, but I'll, I'll, I'll preface that uh, we owe Luke, maybe we owe Luke some Lake Monster beer. Maybe we need to ship him some out. Um, it's his second appearance on Vikings Happy Hour from a prediction standpoint. Um, bailing out the host who was incredibly busy and failed to secure uh, a prediction from a media guest. So Luke, at the last second, gave us his prediction for Sunday's game. As some of you may well know, uh, ZD here, not you, ZD here has never lost a prediction this year. So what do you think, buddy? Bills? He looks kind of sleepy about that. We're going to go with the Vikings. Yeah. See his nose go for that? Vikings 24-23. Ooh. Thank you, Luke Braun. Locked on Vikings, Minnesota Sports Party. You can find him out there or on Twitter. Um, 
I think it's just at Luke Braun NFL. I don't think he's changed it. At Luke Braun NFL, um, yep. Um, so thank you for that. He's picking the Vikings to win, which, by the way, the well, spread. picking the Vikings to win. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Which, by the way, though, uh, the spread has shifted from seven and a half to three and a half with all this Josh Allen news. So, Ryan, we'll go with you. A week ago, by the way, it was nine and a half. I, it's crazy. It's crazy. If you can buy in on this stuff right now, this is in Josh Allen plays. Could make some good money. Um, well, I tell, yeah, I tell my here. buddy, I'm like, dude, you got to go smash that bet when it was, I think, still seven <laughs> and a half. I'm like, dude, go like throw a hundred on it for me because we, I can't bet here, you know. So like, I'm like, throw a hundred. They can drive down to like, Iowa, man. I'm like, that it's gonna definitely go down from here, and that's already down to three and a half. So, um, well, that's a good question uh, in terms of the. I, I'm just having a hard time to differentiating if, if Allen plays or not. I don't think we you can. Win if you Allen can do a dual scenario. Health. Yeah, I'd say if, if Allen plays and is relatively healthy, I don't think we can pull. I, I not that we can't pull off the win because I I think we can pull it off even with him. Um, mm-hmm. I just I, I think you know given the, the given the uh, the loss that they just came off of uh, interdivision uh, opponent maybe a lesser a lesser opponent in the Jets and they, they went and lost to that. Um, you know, it's probably not great. Right. I think the over under is 43 and a half. If Allen plays, I think we lose 35, 27. Uh, if Allen doesn't play, I think we win 27, 13. Okay. Okay. Dave. You're not quite perfect this year because you took a sacrificial hit earlier in the year. Um, um, I'm picking the Vikings to win this one. It'll surprise everybody. Are you? Do you have a score? Playing quarterback. Um, uh, if Allen's playing, it's going to be a closer game. Um, but I'm figuring Vikes score around 27. I'd love to see him go over 30 again, please. Um, and it's uh, what the defense does. And I think they'll hold him down to. 20 points. So, okay. okay. If Alan plays, Which, by the like way, I said it's going to be a lot closer than that. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting uh, for an applause from you two because last week on this show. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Pat I, yourself on the back. Oh, don't worry. I've been doing it all week. Oh, uh, yes. I, I've seen. I, I nailed, nailed. The Vikings prediction, the correct score, the exact sequence in how it would happen. Crickets from you yep. two. Yep. I had to you prompt did. you to, to remind you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we'll see if yes. I can strike twice here. Well, I've I'm been, sure finds a nut every now and then. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I said this prediction when I was guesting on that pod last night, uh, the Love Boat pod. And I'll stick with it, even though it's a little outlandish. I said I would bet the over if I could bet on this game, and I feel I feel a a, a Vikings Rams game from 2019 uh, in the DeFlippo era when it was just a shootout back and forth all night. I don't care who's playing at quarterback. The Bills are stacked, and I think the Vikings offense gets unleashed this weekend. I have the Vikings winning 38 to 30 
in Damn. Buffalo on Sunday. Which, by the way, we'll see, Dave. We'll see. I'll I'll be in a suite, so maybe I can join you uh, Ooh, on on the awesome. final score briefly. Uh, depends if we win or not, but uh, yes, that's what I'm going with. 38-30 Vikings victory. Put these people in your FanDuel lineups. Put these players in your fantasy lineups. I'm changing my score. 28-19. 28-19. I got to get one of these correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So with that being said, that's all we have for tonight. Uh, Ryan already gave the shout-outs again to the sponsors. Um, For everybody that joined us tonight in the chat, thank you very much. we appreciate your comments and your camaraderie every single week. Make sure you come back next week. Uh, maybe the Vikings are eight and one. Maybe they're seven and two. But regardless, it'll be a full crew on this show, including special guest Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune will be joining us to talk about how the Vikings are doing this season. So uh, we look forward to that. Otherwise, Dave, tell the people what we got. Uh, we have ahead, you got myself, Dare, two of bloggers on Saturday. The final score after the game, and the game is national, over 90% of the country, 85% of the country is getting it national uh, at mm-hmm. noon, which is wonderful. It's national broadcast. We have the final score. Hopefully, Matt can join us from the suite in Buffalo and uh, down here in Texas. It'll be me and Jason Brown in the same room at the same table. And we'll be bringing you the final two minutes of hopefully our eighth victory of the season. Let's go. What do we say, guys? That's what I'm talking. We say Skull, Skull Vikings. Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And feel free to rate us on your favorite aggregator. A big shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. To That's Badass Wood Art, when you're looking for something unique to brighten your space. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody! Skull!